What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Journey Through Podcast. I'm your girl, your host, none other than Sydney Maria. And I don't know about y'all, but this time change has got me ready to go to bed early, sleep, waking up on time. Praise God when you do it. He can use it all. That is a testimony. He can use this time change to get you up on time for work in the morning. But... (laughs) No, I hope everyone has had a great week or a productive week. I hope we have all learned something new. And today I'm coming to you talking about you are doing your best. We're all doing our absolute best. And in the middle of that, you can do many great things, but it's always a challenge to do one great thing. But I believe you can do it. And... Given your circumstances, you're doing the best you can in this moment. I don't remember who said it. I want to, I'm not even going to think, I'm not even going to put out who I think said it, but you're doing the best you can with what you have and Google the quote to see who said it. I want to, you know, I'm going to just, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I want to say Maya Angelou, excuse me, Maya Angelou said it, but you're doing the best you can with what you have and with what you were given. And sometimes we don't think that's enough. I know I have my moments when I'm like, oh, I wish I could do more. I wish I had more. I just, I wish, I wish, I wish. And it steals those moments of gratitude from me, right? And when it steals those moments of gratitude, I'm generally comparing myself to what other people have, or I'm looking at the way their lives are panning out and the way they do different things. And what prompted me to record this episode, well, let me backtrack. What lit the fire under my behind to record this episode was a post I saw on Instagram that basically said, you know, you've been through more than the average person in your generation and you are basing your experiences off of survival mode when your peers may have not had to be in survival mode. They They were able to grow at the age of 11, 12, 13, so on and so forth without having to pivot into survival mode. And that's that did something for your girl. That that spoke to me. I'm still processing all of it, but that definitely spoke to me because we as if anybody has been through any level of trauma or just having to grow up quickly, then you know that the processing that you do at an early age when you've experienced trauma, I should say the processing that you do at those early tender premature ages is that of, I would say an adult you're figuring out adult problems. You are, you see your life through a different lens and it's not a lens that always feels good. It's not one that, You find it hard to calm down, basically. You find it really hard to settle your nerves. You find it difficult to be a child, okay? (laughs) You were essentially robbed of your childhood. And I don't know what it is that you have been through personally, but every person that I know that has experienced some sort of childhood trauma has this complex now as an adult where they're realizing, yo, I didn't have a childhood the way that I wanted to, (laughs) or 
dang, I really had to grow up quick. Or I know I'm always told like, oh, you're the mom friend. You're super mature. Well, it wasn't by choice. It it wasn't an option. That's not something that I just chose. Like, sure, I'm more mature than most people. But one, don't call me the mom friend because I'm not your mother. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just set that straight. It's really weird when that happens. And I know my friends don't mean it in an offensive way, but you know, I'm not the mom friend. (laughs) Don't let's, let's correct how we address our friendships and how we address people in our friendships, because you don't know what that does to a person or for a person. But that's another conversation. But I've always been the super mature friend. And I can remember an age when I was very childlike and just enjoying life and just blissfully, just here in blossoming and being a kid and then it was like boom overnight you you're you feel like you have to grow up quicker and you feel like you have to figure things out and a lot of it is a we know the phrase trauma response but a lot of it is just fear of what you've lost and knowing that it won't come back or what was taken from you and knowing that you can't get it back and being very cognizant of the loss that was unfortunately granted to you, it shifts the way that you think. And if that is you, I want to remind you right now, millennial in your mid to late 20s or Gen Z in your late teens, early 20s, or whatever generation you fall into, that you are doing your absolute best. You are doing the best that you can with what you were given. No, the cards were not fairly distributed. Yes, you had to fight a little bit longer and a little bit harder and a little bit earlier than most, but you are doing the absolute best. Now, on the flip side, I heard this today when I was listening to the new Maverick City or Tribal album that came out this week, and Chandler Moore did like a 30-minute track on the story of Moses and how he is a foreshadowing of Jesus and the New Testament and X, Y, and Z and all that great stuff. But the part that stuck out to me the most was when Chandler was like, you know, this, everything that you're going through isn't for you. It's for other people. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow. Like, um, but this is my life. It's about me. Like yada, yada, yada. That doesn't make sense. Listen, I would say that an undergrad to a group of women that I led and they never (laughs) they would get so frustrated with me my executive board would get so frustrated with me because it they would take it as I I'm doing this I'm exerting myself physically when what I was saying was this organization is gonna help a lot of people more than their own expectations I knew and I saw the fruit and still am seeing the fruit of every organization that I led because I was obedient to the call. 
I didn't necessarily take said position because I wanted to be seen on campus or I wanted something out of it. Actually, it was the complete opposite. Your girl doesn't like attention. She doesn't like being in the front. But there is something in me. Well, there was something in me at that stage in my life where leading a group of women and me being honest about leading a group or two groups at this point of women was bigger than myself. And it's funny that, what, three years later, I'm coming to see that again. (laughs) I'm coming to see that message raise up again um, in different songs I listen to, different books I read, podcasts I listen to, or just everyday conversations with people who I exchange this type of dialogue with. A lot of the things that you go through, even though they may hurt, even though they may not feel good, even though you may have been abandoned, someone passed, something was taken from you, you were violated, you lost a lot, no matter what it was, you are not living out these experiences solely for yourself, but for others to use as a What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, Lord, give it to me. A lot of these experiences. Sorry. What is the word? Yes. Okay. You are not living out a lot of these experiences for yourself, but they can be used as a framework for someone else to say, hey, if she did it or if he did it, then I can do it too. Even though it may be painful, it may hurt, it may take years of healing and conversations and talking and forgiveness. Ooh, forgiveness. It's going to take a lot, but just know, and I believe this for myself. So I hope if you believe it for you, you believe it for you. But I know and I believe this for myself that every experience, good or bad, that I've gone through is not merely in existence for Sydney. Everything that I go through is a framework or a how-to or not even a how-to, but a, an encouragement of sorts for someone else who may feel like giving up, who may feel like this is it. There is nothing else beyond this. There is nothing else for me. First and foremost, that is a lie. There is always something beyond your pain and beyond your trauma. It just sometimes takes the right person and the right placement and the right experiences and sometimes the right pushing of yourself outside of your comfort zone to say, hey, I need this. I need you. It takes a humbling of the heart to say you need something. And I'm going to keep it a stack with y'all. It takes an even bigger humbling of the heart to lay it down at the feet of God. I'm going to just, hey, I said what I said and I stand by that. (laughs) It takes a sincere daily renewing of the mind to humble your heart to say, Lord, I cannot do this by myself. Because one thing that I do and that a lot of us do is that one good thing or one blessing or whatever will happen and we just we suddenly forget to pray we suddenly forget that we suddenly forget to thank god or it's like a suddenly and 
we can't idolize the blessings in absence of what God has done for us. The blessings are only that they're just that they're blessings like that's a plus that isn't everything you don't start off this healing journey necessarily by these grand gestures of blessings or these the goodness like I don't even know how to explain it but and when I find the words I will but the blessings are just that they are a plus they are the benefits of doing the work in submitting yourself to God the true goodness of God is being able to submit to him and surrender to him and say hey even if this doesn't happen the way that I would like or in context of this conversation even though I did lose my mom and we did lose the house and my grandmother died and I was violated and x y and z and all of those different examples even if he's still good So even if X, Y, and Z has happened, guys, you are still good. And that goodness is knowing that he will use every single last part of what you've been through to glorify him and to bring more people to see his goodness, to bring people out of dark places, to bring people in... It's just the word goodness keeps coming up, to bring people into his goodness, to show people that it's not all downhill from there. It doesn't end because you flunked out of college or the person that you love didn't love you back in that way or the relationship ended or you're brokenhearted. He sees your entire heart, okay? He sees it all. He knows it all. And he wants you. And that's something that I have to remind myself every day, like, even when I'm having a really tough day at work, and whew, if you know my job, <laughs> you know that it, it it gets wild sometimes. I still can't believe that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it gets wild sometimes. And I have to remind myself every day that he is still in control. Even on my worst day, he's still good. This mess can't hold a candle to what God is doing. And I have to, I tell myself, I catch myself sometimes thinking like, I know God is like, if only you knew. If only you knew what I had planned. If only you could see beyond your eyes. If only you could exercise a little bit more faith. 1% every day or 0.5% every day. Whatever you got, give it to him. If only you knew. Because the reality is there is nothing too small that you can offer over to God. That your offering is not too small. Even if all you have is 0.1% of whatever it is that you were called to, that is more than enough because that is significant of your heart. There is nothing too small in your life that is seen as insignificant or unimportant. Or not enough. You're more than enough. Every day, do I believe that? No, not necessarily. But I know it. And once you put those things into practice and you say it to yourself or you keep those types of things around your bedroom or wherever you are, wherever you spend the most time, you have to tell yourself and create a space, a safe space of 
this is what I believe. This is what is true about me because God said that it was true. This is what he can do. Even though it looks this way, I know that my faith says different. 